welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. Today is a Q&A. What up, listeners? Dude, I might return these headphones, too. I don't know if I like them. I don't know if I do either. I can tell you don't. Yeah. I'm a huge uh, return to Amazon guy. Um, but I... <laughs> Dude, I went yeah. to the barber, and the first thing he said was like, I hope you got rid of those headphones. Yeah. And I was like, you didn't like them? He was like, no, those look bad. I was like, yeah, I got rid of them. But dude, they were sick he- headphones. Like, they're the nicest ones. But they just they look, look sick in a picture not on somebody's head. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's why we, I didn't hesitate. We even yeah. looked at them on Joe Rogan, and you're like, wow, they do look. I mean, you don't notice it. Yeah. But, but he has a very fat head. Yeah. He does. Very rounded. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, I actually heard him say it the first time. Uh, I've never heard anybody reference to him as a thumb, but he did in one of his stand-ups. Oh. He talks about how he just looks like a thumb, and it was there was more to the joke. It was funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but and then I really looked at him and was like, damn, bro, you kind of do look like a thumb, like gotcha. a fat thumb, like a yeah. very thick, because it's just Bald. like, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he's got like a fighter's head, you know? Totally. And so maybe his skull just like, I don't know. Fits it better. I have a small. Head. I'm not gonna have not headphones though. I know we need headphones. I know the intro's way better without with headphones. But yeah, yeah if you're if you're to a break po- the news to you guys, he's only wearing headphones for the intro. Literally, and then I just take them off. Yeah. Um, if I could Bluetooth my AirPods to this bad boy, I would. There is a Bluetooth button, bro. So you can Bluetooth to this. I think no shot. You're lying to me. That's a Bluetooth button. That means something. It does. I mean, it means Bluetooth. Yeah. I think you can, like, uh, hook a phone up to it via Bluetooth. You just want cool headphones. No. All right. AirPods. We'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> like a uh, Gronk. AirPods. You know, Tide Pods? No. You, don't, you don't watch TV. You just watch YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Gronk is the... This is the only reason I even know who he is. I don't football know him. player? Gronk? Yeah. I don't know him because of football. I know him because of Tide. Oh, wow. Tide Washer... Soap. Nice. He goes, Tide Pods, and he drops the Tide Pod. It's like when they first invented the pods for the yeah. washer. Don't. Yeah, I saw him in Vegas, too, one time. Nice. I was with Luca and Hugh and stuff, and he was like, he came running into this, like, club area. It was like more of like a loungy club area, shirtless, just going up to tables. Yeah. And people were freaking out, and he was just taking their shots, and they were like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, who's this guy just taking people's alcohol, it's and they love human. him. He's big. Huge. And then they were like, that's Gronk. I was like, who's that? And then like, Patriots player. Yeah. It's like, oh. Yeah. No idea. <clears throat> the reason I sent you that uh, Liver King thing on Joe Rogan is because he was like, oh, he came to one of my shows, and that was a show you were at. Oh. That's the only reason I sent it to you. Oh, I didn't watch it. Oh. When you sent it to me. Oh. I just, I was like, oh, I already seen this whole episode. But I don't remember that part of the episode, so. Yeah, he was like talking about how he came to one of his shows, and the whole place was going wild, and. Oh. Yeah. He was just like, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? Yeah. That was me. Yeah. I was there. I, I wasn't the person screaming. I was <laughs> just the person shaking my head. Yeah. Saying, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? Yeah. Liver King's joke. Anyway. All right. Let's uh, get into some questions today. We have got three that we're going to go over. We will start first one with Aurora, the princess. Uh, I you remember. <laughs> I was in a deficit for a while, and I'm currently in maintenance, but found that I... As the deficit went on, I stopped enjoying my workouts, and I still don't enjoy them as much as I used to. Do you find for yourself or your clients that that calorie deficits tend to make you enjoy training less? If so, how long does it take to begin enjoying them again like you used to? 
unless you are somebody who is like, I mean, dare I say me, calorie deficits make everything suck a little bit. (laughs) I don't want to say that and scare people away from dieting because obviously that is my career. You should diet with us. But it's it's fatiguing you know what i mean like i think that like it's the same thing as if i asked you like i hope everybody no matter what if you love what you do for a career this question is more likely a yeah i'll be fine if that's the case if you don't love your career then it's obviously more difficult but what i was gonna say is like if you were sitting at at your job all fucking day and then i asked you to do a difficult task right afterwards yeah would it be easier or harder to do that task harder you would it would suck less right or suck more it's the same reason why like i've talked about um like coming home after a long day of work and then having to like turn it back on for blakely right i love my career but it's fatiguing and i can't be fatigued when i go to be a dad i have to do something to kind of like reset which is actually why i kind of like training before i go home too because it kind of like gives me some energy for a little bit um kind of amps me up and then i go right home uh, unless i'm dieting then i'm really fatigued but it's the same thing like dieting is a fatiguing stressor it's a positive stressor because much like my career it's giving me things that i love and enjoy and like and and it's giving me passion and so on and so forth but it is fatiguing nonetheless so if you were in a diet almost everything you do might require more willpower and discipline at a certain point and i say at a certain point because if somebody listening to this is uh, 200 pounds and they should be 150 pounds, let's just say, obviously this is all relative to their height, but let's say somebody has 50, 50 pounds to lose. The first 20 to 30 pounds, everything you do in life will get better mm. as you lose weight and you're in a diet. Because even though you're in a diet and that is a stressor, you're also 50 pounds overweight, which is a bigger stressor. Yeah. So you lose 10 pounds, you're less stressed. 20 pounds, you're less stressed. 30 pounds, you're less stressed. Your body is getting healthier and healthier and healthier. But after a, a while, the diet fatigue accumulates greater than the, like that stress is greater and overpowering than the stress of the weight you have to lose, essentially. The extra weight you're carrying on your body as body fat. Um, so because of that, I would say that, you know, for some people, when you first start dieting, it's not an issue at all. But almost everybody at some point is going to, uh, you're going to get hit with diet fatigue. And this is why we periodize plans. Whether you have 100 or 80 or 60 or 40 or 20 or 10 or 5 pounds to lose, you need to periodize it properly so that you can minimize diet fatigue and or stress accumulated from the diet and do it in a way that allows you to try to harness your recovery as optimally as possible. This might mean diet breaks. It might mean uh going slow and steady it might mean having flexible weekends like whatever we can do it also might mean improving sleep it might mean actually taking other things off of your plate because this season of your life is about losing body fat getting healthy getting in shape and, and transforming your physique whereas some seasons it might be i'm going to maintain my physique because i got to work hard on my hustle at work i got to work hard on my relationship or whatever maybe you're traveling a ton for something well that's going to be the stress on your body because even though traveling might be fun it is definitely a stress on your body if you do it like if you're traveling from country to country to country you know point being you got to manage your stress so so yeah like anything can get this way and training is no no different i think that uh most of the time we got to remember that training is something that is very uh, it's it's hard work. It, it's you got to put a lot into it. So if you're already bogging yourself down with other stresses or a stress that is not only a stress on your body, but it's a stress on your your mind, on your emotions, on your internal health, your physiology, your hormones, 
but it's also something that literally requires energy. So I'm not just saying from a standpoint of like, ah, you got to get it done. You got to think about it. Like it literally requires calories. And if you don't have enough calories, it requires body fat, which is stored energy. Either way, it's pulling energy. Well, guess what? Thinking requires energy. Your brain uses glucose and calories to think, um, moving, sleeping, metabolism, any metabolic process, hormones, like building muscle, anything that you physically have to do or internally have to do physiologically, I guess even psychologically, because again, your brain uses fuel. It all requires fuel and energy. So if you are draining your energy from training and from being in a deficit, because you're trying to lose weight, which means you have less energy to actually (laughs) give these tasks yeah, it's going to be difficult. And I think at a certain point it becomes less enjoyable because you just don't got, you don't got much juice left in the lemon to squeeze, Yeah, you know? And that's where I think at a certain point getting to your end result, if you have a really big weight loss goal, there's going to be periods of times, whether it's sporadic throughout the whole journey, or it's just at the tail end of the journey when you're almost to your final goal, you're going to have to lean way more so on willpower and discipline than you are going to have to lean on motivation. You won't be able to lean on motivation. You won't have as much of it. I was literally just talking to a client about this in their check-in. I was filming them a a response to their check-in. And the the advice I was giving them was to to be able to, in those moments when you don't feel motivated for the gym, in those moments where you just don't want to do it, you don't want to take action, you don't want to do the work, you don't want to go in, you don't want to train, you're tired, you're fatigued, mentally exhausted, whatever it may be. Maybe you have other shit on your mind, work, relationship, anything. You're not in the game when it comes to training. In that moment, you need to remind yourself that this is the moment that I need self-discipline and willpower to push through. And when you push through, you will get more from that training session because you relied on willpower and discipline and you didn't have the motivation than you would a training session that you were super motivated to get it done. Like when I go to the gym and I'm super excited about it, I'm super motivated, I'll have a good session. Don't get me wrong. And I think it's great to be constantly motivated. But the, the mental reward and the applicable trait for future success that I get out of a training session, which I'm already excited and motivated about, uh, there's not going to be much of that from it. I'm not going to get a lot of it from that. But the training session that I know I need to do, the training session that I don't want to do, and the training session that I have to sit there and pull out this grit, this willpower, this discipline to just move through it and actually get the shit done, that is the one I'm going to leave with some lifelong lessons from. I'm going to leave a better person and and a more successful person because I have that feeling of reward. But the problem is, is that it's very hard to do that. Yeah. It's very hard to go in there and go, I I do not feel like doing this, but I know on the other side of this, I'm going to feel really good. Like it's going to pay off. It's going to be valuable. It's a lot of discipline. It it does. So my advice to her and my advice to this person here is, is to, to remind yourself of that in that very moment, in that moment where you, you're telling yourself, I don't want to do this shit. That's where you have to like, you can pull out like a motivation card called or a discipline card, pull it out of your pocket and read it and say, I know you don't want to do this, but you have to do it. And when you get done with it, you're going to thank yourself for doing it. Pull out the discipline, pull out the grit, pull out the willpower and just get the shit done. Remind yourself of that and do it. And uh, I think you'll be way better off long-term, Amen. you know? And the only thing, other thing I would add is if you're consistently feeling this, yeah. consider a diet break, consider a deload, consider that you're training too much. If you're dieting and you're trying to lose fat, you also should have the the primary goal with your training to actually maintain muscle unless you're brand new in the gym. And if that's the case, you don't need to train a ton. So if you're training six, seven days a week, or you're just training balls of the wall time, you might just need to cool it a little bit because you're not in a place to be able to recover from that much training or that intensive training. Um, Or if you're following a really boring fucking program and you've been doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks on end, start a new program. 
that you're excited about. Um, so I, a little bit of a rant on that question, but I, I definitely think there's a point where if you can sit there and go, I don't have diet fatigue, I'm not in a deficit, I'm, I'm like, I'm not overworked, I'm not tired, like I'm, and you still feel that way about a program, you're just following a bad program. You're just following a program, either A, it's, it's a shitty program, or it's just a program you're not having fun with. And that's fine too. There's really good science-based programs that don't get you excited. If that's the case, swap it for a new one. But if you know you like the program on paper and all those things are happening and it's because of diet fatigue, training intensity being too high, anything like that, that's where you need to take a step back. You, know? you have to have some kind of spark. You got to have some 100%. kind of interest. Yeah. And I think that's where it's easy for people to distinguish where they're at in this because if you have that, you wake up and you're excited to die, you're excited about the plan on paper and everything. But by the time you get there, you're like, oh, God, I don't feel like doing this. Yeah. That's where you go. Okay. Let's look at your recovery. Maybe take a diet break. Let's look at some things. Cause you don't, again, you don't have the juice to squeeze, but that's assuming you are excited on paper. You just can't do the work when it comes to time to do it. You totally. Know? So. Dope. All right. We will move on to the next question. It comes from Becker. Rebecca Beckerfit, it says, what do you do to spice things up when, when a client is getting bored at being at maintenance? Focus on everything that is non-body composition or scale related. Um, so, like, there, there's a few things I would say here. Like, number one, there's a lot more that you're going to get out of training and nutrition than just weight loss, right? So, if you're at maintenance... The first thing is, is, is just pick other things to, to find wins for, you know, I, I actually answered this one to her individually on Instagram and I just list them out real quick, but I wanted to bring it here because it's, e it's an easy one to break down. But I mean, like just off the top of my head, you can focus on performance in the gym. You can focus on, uh, measurements. So you should be measuring because let's say they're at maintenance and they're not losing weight or maybe they're gaining a little weight, but their waist circumference isn't going up at all around their stomach. Well, if it's not going up around your stomach and the only place it's growing is the muscles, show them that you're building muscle because now you're tracking your performance in the gym. You're tracking your muscle growth. You're tracking your stress, track your sleep, track your digestion, track personal development. What, what are you doing? And this is where like a good coach can step outside of their quote unquote scope of practice. That used to be a thing in school. They would talk about all the time. It's like, you can never step outside your scope of practice. It's like, man, if some, if one of my clients is going through some emotional shit that I'm not certified to talk about, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to ask them questions about it. I'm going to be an ear to Ben. I'm going to, I'm going to give them my advice and, and I'm going to say, this is not backed by any medical. Yeah. Like yeah. this isn't medical advice. This is just me being human. People need that. People need more than just macros. So my advice is, is, you know, you should be tracking more than just body composition from a scale perspective, even from a measurement perspective. I think you should do that too, especially at a maintenance, but track performance, track strength, track, uh, do some conditioning drills, track a 2K road time, track a Cooper's test on the treadmill where you're running or, or outside if you want to run outside. Um, set some new goals with personal development, with hiking, with your family, with, I mean, shit, your, your religious practices, reading books, anything. Like, ask your client. What do you give a shit about? What do you want to improve in your life? What do you want to get better at? What can I help hold you accountable of? Because that's what coaching is. The individual setting goals and targets for them to be a better human being and you as a coach, giving them the right guidance and advice and accountability to make sure it happens. Yeah. You know, a lot of times somebody is like, man, I just want to learn more about finances. Cool. Pick four finance books for me. They go pick four. And you go, cool, I'm gonna hold you accountable. What's the, what is the most reasonable time you think you can read these? Have them set targets. What time of day are you going to read? How long are you going to read? How many pages are you going to read it by? All right. In your update this week, let me know what you learned. Like, it's as simple as that. 
you know, there, there should be more involved than just nutrition. Doesn't mean you doing that makes you a financial expert or if anything, they're going to be the financial expert and they're going to teach you some things while they update you. Yeah. You get something out of this. But the point is, is I think like it's way more simple than, than people would realize. And I think if, if you can point out those other things and get them moving forward in other areas of their life or even in the same area, but in other ways, other than just the weight scale, they're going to be so much more attached to you as a coach because they're getting so much more value out of it. And then the other thing is that like reiterate, reiterate and explain and educate them on why they're at maintenance over and over and over again, because maintenance is a standstill. Now, if you're focusing on all these other things I talked about, they might feel pretty good because it, to an extent they're feeling like, you know, like, okay, maybe the scale's not changing, but I am still moving forward with this personal development aspect, this performance, whatever it may be, right? Like all these different things that we're having them focus on and I'm keeping them accountable of. But we also got to talk to them about why they're even at maintenance. So if this person's at maintenance because they've been dieting too long, remind them that they're healing from the dieting they've done. Remind them that we're, we're recovering and reversing from that so that we can build up their metabolic capacity, their muscle, their strength, their caloric intake. We're, we're depositing in their adherence bank account. And what I mean by that is if you go to maintenance and you're not dieting, you're not tracking macros super diligently, you're not measuring everything to the gram, like you're not doing everything with a very granular eye like you might be when you're dieting for something very specific. Yeah you have more energy to do it later. A good example of this is me. I haven't been dieting seriously since my last photo shoot. I've been tracking my macros off and on. Some weeks, not at all. Some weeks, every day. Some weeks, one day, and then I repeat the same thing every day. But even on those weeks, when I eat the same thing every day, I tracked once just to make sure I'm on point with what I prepped. And then I don't look at the app all week, yeah. which helps me, right? But the point of that is, is I do that throughout maintenance so that when I am ready to cut, like right now, I'm super motivated to do it. I'm prepping, I'm measuring everything, I'm tracking everything every day. Even the days I eat the same thing every day, I'm retracking it again because it just it's another layer of accountability. So remind them that we're stocking up their adherence because you're going to adhere better in the future when we're more flexible, we're more casual about it, we're, we're staying at maintenance, we're not getting diet fatigue right now. Your future success in fat loss phases is going to be so much better because we're spending this time. And when you frame it that way, they start to realize that like, man, like this maintenance phase is a preparatory phase for the future cuts. So if you're spending your maintenance preparing physically, physiologically, and psychologically, you're going to be 10 times more successful yeah. in your fat loss phase. Same reason why we do primer phases, yeah. which is very short, but for people in maintenance, it's just a long primer phase, right? And on top of that, you can set other goals in other areas. Um, so I, I think the best way to answer that question is, is number one educate them on why they're there. And when you do that, explain them the, the big picture, the periodization of this, like we're here right now because of this, and this is what it's going to do for you in the future and in your future success. That helps a lot. It helps them get buy-in. Um, and then on top of that, just re remind them and, and help them set goals for all these different areas, right? What else can they be focused on setting goals with PRs with performing in, um, in and outside of fitness. And when you do that shit, I, I think they're, they're going to be way more on point oh, and yeah. you learn how to navigate this so much better. And, um, at the end of the day, people want to communicate with their coach constantly, whether in maintenance or surplus or deficit or anything. Totally. All right, cool. We will go to the last question we have here coming from simply strong by Sabra. It says, what's the average duration you recommend for a first time bulk? Does it differ from men to women? That's a good question. Um, I think it it does differ from men to women. Um, so there's there's a, there's a few layers to this that I think I like I can kind of answer this. The 
in general, how long do I recommend bulking for? It's like the first layer to this. In general, if I had to give a blanket number, I would say six to 12 months. I think after about 12 months, unless somebody is uh, like a hard gainer, like, you know, we have friends that like, they're, they're just, they were skinny growing up and like we could spend the next five years just trying to put on size and that's what they would have to work hard to do. And if they fall off the gym or their diet for a week, they lose weight. You know, it's not the common person. So this advice doesn't go to them. They're in what we call a perma bulk. You just keep on going, <laughs> keep on eating, keep on lifting. But for most people, I'd say six to 12 months, because I think six months is the minimum to where you're actually going to be productive. Um, very few circumstances do I find. Uh, and I actually, and I have a client right now that I think we just finished like four or five months. And I, I, we had a conversation multiple times where I told him, I was like, man, it's very rare that I take somebody out of a bulk with less than six months, but there were certain lifestyle changes that he had made. There were certain change. They, we changed a lot of variables that led to a lot of fast progress. So he gained a good amount of weight pretty quickly. And with the timing of summer and everything, I was like, you know what? It's actually a perfect time. Um, and you can tell when somebody's mentally ready to shift gears and, and go into a cut, you know? Um, but usually I don't think anybody's going to build a good amount of muscle unless they're spending a solid six months. Now that doesn't mean you can't build muscle unless because there's times where somebody will go through a three month gaining phase and maybe it was partially more of like you need to build some muscle, but you really just need to be out of a diet for a while. You know, you need, we, we're going to stay out of a deficit for three months to kind of more of like what I was just talking about in the last question, more of like a long-term primer phase or maintenance phase. But we're going to set some goals with building muscle because you want that too. And it's a good way for us to like utilize this period of time, not dieting. So we're going to go into a slight surplus and try to push for three months. You'll build some muscle, but like a very, like a noticeable difference. Um, even for myself, the last time I went into like a, a legit bulk, it was like 11 or 12 months. And that was the first time that I had one, one specific period of time where people really noticed. Like people were like, holy shit, you put on some size. Every other time it was like probably took so long for me to gain size that people didn't notice because saw me plenty of times in between uh, you know what i mean like you would see a picture of me three four years ago oh shit yeah you have put on size but it wasn't like the, you saw me again after months, months and you're like oh damn you put on size yeah. it's just cody but like that time it was like damn i like legit and i gained 16 fucking pounds like at least saw a few three to five at least were fat obviously yeah. but nonetheless that was way way over six months i think six months is like the, the really like the sweet spot. I say 12 because usually people get bored after 12 months. 12 months is a long time. It's a very productive time. So if somebody's like really serious or like they have physique goals of like competitive nature or even for myself, that was like my last row. I was like, this is the last time I'm going to do like a serious fucking bulk for an extended period of time. Make the most out of it. 12 months is solid, you know, but by the time 12 months hits, you are ready to get out of that deficit or that, that surplus. You're like, I'm done. I'm bored. I'm getting a little hefty. I'm ready to cut. Um, so six, 12 months is kind of the average thing. Now, do men and women differ? Yes and no. No, from a standpoint of, I still think six months is the minimum. And I still think 12 months is usually the tap out point where people get, uh, fatigued, but men are going to build muscle quicker, um, than women, but they're also going to be able to build more total muscle. So it's kind of like the, the male is going to build more muscle in six months or 12 months than the female will. They're also going to uh, build muscle quicker in most cases. Um, but it doesn't really change the timeline. It just changes the capacity of, of what can be built, you know? Um, so the timeline really doesn't change. It just how you go about it differs. And I would say it's easier 
on average, um, it's easier to talk a guy into bulking for six, 12 months than a female because most women don't want to quote unquote bulk. Usually have to use different words. Uh, we're in a lean gaining phase, maybe lean bulk, but usually like lean gaining or, um, we're trying to build lean muscle and, some of this is, is semantic. Some of it's kind of like trickery with words, but it, ultimately it's, it's, it's communicating and coaching effectively to make sure the person's moving in the direction that they actually want. Because how they explain it to me is from a science perspective, if I were to define, like define the way a guy, def, like here's his goal, here's her goal. Scientifically speaking, I look at both of them like you both just want to build muscle. Yeah, You're just wording it differently. So I'm going to word it differently. Um, and because of that too, like if I could have my way, I might, lean closer to the 12 months with some females only because they're usually more cautious about gaining weight and therefore we have to take a slower approach yep. whereas guys usually they're like some yeah. guys i'm like you shouldn't be gaining that much weight <laughs> like you're gaining too fast you know um but that was more so back in the day i feel like it's more commonly known and uh like admitted that guys can be insecure about their weight or like just want to be lean they don't care about getting bigger or like the scale's not as important um but in general six to 12 months, men and women, and how we go about it differs. Uh, the rate of progress differs, but the uh, total timeline does not really differ. The main thing that determines how, like what differs is the experience level of the individual. So somebody who is like, it's actually, it's kind of like the volume thing. I always say it's like a bell curve, right? So like, if you're a beginner, I lean like closer to that 12 months because you're way more likely to be, build pure muscle, like no fat. Like if we put you in a little surplus and you really lift, you're probably not going to gain any, you probably don't even need to be in surplus. You can be in maintenance and you could probably recomp, which we see with newbies all the time. You'll burn some fat and build muscle or you'll just build a shit ton of muscle quickly and it's going to make you look leaner so it looks like you lost fat. Yeah. Um, an advanced individual who's on the opposite side of the bell curve, they're so advanced that you need to do everything to squeeze out every little ounce of muscle, which means you do need to go into do a decent surplus. You do need to train way longer. So like 12 months straight in a bulk and you're still not going to gain as much. And you probably got to put on some fat in that process. Like I said, I gained all that weight, but I put on a, you know, one third of it, one 25% of it, maybe a fourth of it was definitely fat. I had to do that in order to build the amount of muscle I wanted. Right. Well, intermediate is kind of in the middle of that. So like they could get away with the six month. They don't need as long, but they can still put on fat and they still need to be in surplus, but they're not going to gain as much fat as the advanced person, like so on and so forth. So it's kind of like this bell curve, but more than anything, the experience level really dictates how aggressive you need to be, what you need to do to gain size and how long you're going to stay in that surplus or in that bulking phase in order to gain weight. Totally. Um, and again, that applies to both male and, and female. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a ton of differences, but yeah. A lot of the same thing too. Yep. And again, this, this comes down to, uh, uh, like I want to stress this for two reasons. One, uh, because as we're recording this, it's still very relative. The train heroic programs are out. So if you want to build muscle, the five day program for the men and the women are both out on train heroic. We'll put that in the description. Or if you go to train heroic and just search my name, Cody McBroom, you'll find them there. It's the female physique and the power builder. There's a four day and a five day split of each one. Really, really solid programs for building muscle. 100%. It's a great one for, for maintaining muscle while you lose fat too. But the five day plan is like that is geared towards a higher volume approach to build muscle. Um, but the reason I also wanted to bring that up is that the training stimulus is just as important. So a lot of people are going, all right, I'm going to go into a bulk and they go into a surplus because they're trying to gain size, but they don't change their training. So if you're training on a three day full body plan and you're losing fat and you're like, okay, I'm gonna shift gears. I'm going to bulk and you increase your calories, but you don't do anything to your training. You're not going to be very successful. You're just going to gain fat and you're going to be confused as to why it didn't work. But if you don't increase the stress in the stimulus of training and the load that you're working with, 
simultaneously as you increase those calories, those extra calories you're bringing into your diet aren't really serving you to build muscle. They're just putting on fat because you're not doing anything extra to utilize those calories for anything, right? You're not, like, there has to be an equation here, right? So if I increase calories, I have to also increase volume. Definitely. Unless I'm already doing too much volume, you know, if you're doing too much volume or let's say you're training six days a week on a push-pull leg split and you're in a deficit, Maybe you're just, you're, you're keeping like four in the tank. You're going lighter. You're doing like three sets instead of four sets. In that case, you're not going to train more days per week. But when you go into surplus, you got to bump up the sets per, uh, per exercise per day. So your total sets per week goes up and, or the total tonnage, cause you're lifting heavier now that you're increasing your calories, which is probably going to happen no matter what, but you got to make sure you're increasing volume as you increase calories. Um, like again, volume isn't something we want to infinitely increase, but if you're eating a bunch of more food, but you're not doing anything with your training to increase that, then you're not going to put on a bunch of muscle. Yeah, you got to, I mean, it's some kind of balance in one way, shape, or form. 100%. Yeah. You get a bigger engine, you better, like, I guess that it wouldn't make sense. But <laughs> Were you going to say you get better tires? No. Oh. I was, I was going to say you better, I mean, it's true, like, you're going to burn more calorie, like, yeah. fuel. So I was going to say, like, you better fill up more gas. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of times you get a bigger engine, the gas tank doesn't change. You just, bur- <laughs> you just burn through it quicker. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but that's what it is, yeah. like, right? Like, if your engine gets bigger, which is are your muscles, then your gas is going to burn out quicker. But it would make more sense if I said, like, uh, the more gas you fill up, the bigger your engine gets. But your engine doesn't grow based on your gas tank. So <laughs> I tried. I don't know. I don't know anything about cars. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's be honest. Cool. All right. Well, that was the last question for today. Um, Want to shout out the sponsors? Yeah. Real quick shout outs to firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. Literally any supplement you could possibly need for your fitness nutrition or health goals that's why i love first forms because they literally have everything covered um which makes it 10 times easier to recommend supplements to my clients because any issue they're going through any additional thing because again it's a supplement it's not the diet but anything we need to supplement the diet with or add into the diet they got you covered so again firstform.com slash taylor coaching method likewise giantlifting.com has everything you need to get big. So if you want to build muscle like the last listener just asked about, head over to giantlifting.com and make sure you use TCM10 to save 10% on anything you order. Go leave us a five-star rating review if you like the show. Share it with a friend. We appreciate you guys and we will catch you next time.